This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Glad to be with you this morning. All right, story time. When I was a kid growing up, my friends and I, we would spend endless hours playing hopscotch or racing against each other down the block or jumping rope. But nowadays, as an adult with two teens of my own, hanging with friends, it usually means sharing laughs in a text group chat or getting together for dinner or grabbing a drink. And that sense of playfulness and improvisation from childhood, well, it's not something that many of us adults practice when we're meeting up with friends. But what if it was? Our first guest has been exploring this very topic. Raina Cohen is a producer and writer with NPR's Embedded Podcast, and her forthcoming book is called The Other Significant Others, Reimagining Life with Friendship at the Center. And she joins us now from Washington. Hi, Raina. Hi, Sasha. So, I mean, how did you first get interested in exploring how adults do friendship and how we could do it better? I'm curious. Well, this goes back to my NPR job. Um, I was working on the show Invisibilia, and we were putting together a series on friendship, and we had a call out of, you know, kind of like what you're doing right now with with listeners. Mm -hmm. And this woman, Rachel Simmons, wrote in, and she was describing this really intense, um, imaginative friendship that she had in her adolescence with two girls, um, where they would have these ceremonies in the forest. Instead of passing notes in class, they really went up to that and would pass entire notebooks. And they filled about 20 notebooks in the course of um, you know middle school and high school. And she was saying that she's sort of had a hole since that um, that kind of adolescent iteration of that friendship where she's not connecting with people with that kind of intensity and imagination. And she asked, do I just need to grow up? And, you know, is this something I need to get over, basically? Or, you know, is there something going on here that we could learn from? And I was really taken by her reflection because it she was putting her finger on something about friendship, a, a kind of deficit that I didn't even realize. And when I thought back to, you know, my middle school best friend, we hung out totally differently than a lot of my friends in adulthood. We would make goofy videos. We had all sorts of rituals. We had names for each other um, and, and a kind of, um, you know, similar to what Rachel described, an entire culture yeah. around our friendship. So I was interested in why why do things change in adulthood? And is there anything that adults really could learn from our former childhood selves. I love that. Well, you've got this excellent piece out right now in The Atlantic. It was published just a few days ago, and it's titled, What Adults Forget About Friendship. But I want to start with kids. How do kids form and maintain friendships? I mean, what's special about the way that they do it? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I have at the age where I've, there are a lot of young kids around me in my social circle. So I just see kids run up to each other and start playing and yeah. they don't, you know, they don't even know the other, per, the other person, um, but they're willing to just kind of jump in and they don't need very much. I mean, they, they don't, we really need toys or, or, or anything. They will just start playing pretend. Um, and that's, that's sort of how they engage with each other when they're really young. Um, and so one one thing is the sort of activity and the other is just the the sort of unstructured luxury like luxurious feeling of time that people have when they're at that age um where you're not trying to run to the next thing and it's just this way of entertaining yourselves and filling time without a sense of of being rushed yeah in your piece you tell the story of three friends who became incredibly tight during their teen years, Rachel, Margot, and Sam, a.k.a. RMS, Mm -hmm. right? Tell us about them. So 
Uh, the R part of the RMS was the woman that I described who had written into Invisibilia. Um, that was, you know, several years ago, and it really had just stuck on on my mind. And they they became close in this rural part of Pennsylvania, um, lived close enough by to each other that they would have three day sleepovers. They would sneak into uh, this forest that was on attached to the property next to one of these girls and they would all pile onto a four-wheeler to go there and they had these rituals that involved drinking the creek water and um you know they had i mean basically like rachel described it almost like a religion that they created all these sorts of rituals um and that and that sort of maintained up and up through high school the three of them are still close but they're not kind of creating new rituals in the same way that they did when they were younger. They're not spending three days in a row with each other. Um, it's it's much more kind of calling back to what they had and catching up as adults. And they're not kind of as um, immersed in each other's lives uh, in the way that they just knew absolutely everything about each other um, in their middle school and high school years. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I feel I feel that so much. I mean, what, what we would call life stuff, I mean, always seems to get in the way of of just meeting up with our friends, let alone having an actual creative, unstructured moment with them, right? What would you say that you think adults are losing out on by not having the type of playtime that that kids are having every day? I mean, one way that I thought about this is that, you know, if I go to a dinner with a friend who I haven't seen in a while, it feels like we are just maybe exchanging memos, essentially giving each other a rundown on what has happened. And we're not creating new memories in the way that as kids, I think is, you know, when you have opportunity for play that you're you're getting, um, it's not to say, you know, you, you get this sometimes with, with uh, in different kinds of settings with adults that you can have some inside jokes. But I, I do think that the kind of default ways that people spend time together are, are not bringing them as as close as they could be. And one observation that that was really striking to me is from this um, psychology researcher who's done a lot of work observing young children. And he talked about the vulnerability that comes with play that, you know, I, I think to adults, it just looks like make believe fun activity like he, you know, um, but he, he talked about how um, it's you are asking someone to run along with you with an idea and that is very vulnerable to sort of suggest something that might be kind of wacky or incoherent. Um, and he talked about, you know, uh, will you will you sort of take this rocket ship to the moon with me, even if it doesn't necessarily, you know, that wasn't where you were planning to go. So I think that there's a way of um, connecting, of feeling like we've taken a risk and someone has decided to go with us and, and then build a world with us that comes with play that adults are not necessarily getting when they're sitting across from somebody and having, you know, margaritas. Yeah, for sure. So going back to the title of your forthcoming book, Raina, I mean, who are the other significant others in your life? Tell us a bit more and and what you're intentionally doing to keep things lively with those friends. Well, yeah, the title of the book is a play on the term significant others, which is just... um, like your romantic basically partner. a way of yeah it's it's a way of saying romantic partner and um and there are, i think for a lot of people 
there isn't just one person, um, and there there are multiple people who really fill that kind of anchoring role in their life. Um, and I, you know, this is probably not a surprise given that I'm somebody who writes about friendship. I think pretty, I have very close friends. I think a lot about friends um, and how to, you know, have close relationships. And um, I, I, I think partly while working on this piece, I realized that some of the people I feel closest to, I do have some of these kind of childlike elements with, like a friend of mine um, who is just sort of incredibly goofy. Um, we have different, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think how to explain some of this, but we have, but you know, one thing that she did, like she, we, we met up for coffee one day and she came with a notebook and color pencils and she was like, if we were to make a crest for our friendship, what would be the symbols in that crest? <laughs> and we just like sat there trying to figure out like how do we, you know, symbol symbolize this? And it felt like something that kids would do because, um, you know, it, it's it's a little yeah. silly, but also it actually is a way of honoring the friendship and saying this is important, and we're going to treat the friendship as an entity that is worth um, trying to yeah trying to honor. And I yeah. think that. Um, yeah, uh, don't and at the same time, always do that. There you are in a coffee shop coloring, right? Yes, <laughs> which is yes. fun. And it, yeah, and it turned out it was a she had a sort of ploy where she she drew uh, she drew up a sketch, and then for my birthday she she made a card um, that had uh, you know a more elaborate version of the crest on um, on the the top of the card. I see. So yeah, I love that. You know, my closest friends, Reina, they're actually in Canada, which is where I grew up. So distance is an issue for us. But I, I do have one friend here in Chicago who uh, she I love her. She really tries to make the effort for us to do activities together and not just, you know, the dinner and drinks. Uh, a few months ago, I remember she planned for us to do this candle making class, which was really awesome. It was like a, a couple hours of fun and we met other people and it was, you know, we were just it was very interactive. Um, and just this past weekend, we were hanging out and we were without our kids. So we were, you know, kidless, which was great. And we spent the afternoon jumping around in the sprinkle pool at, and, and eating ice cream at the Museum of Ice Cream here in Chicago. So it was it was hilarious because we were surrounded by, you know, kids in elementary school. But here we were, uh, two grown women just having a ball. And I, I loved it. And did it did it bring back sort of childhood feelings? Oh, absolutely. Especially when I was like picking out my, my flavor of ice cream and getting sprinkles on it and, you know, just kind of going through the different rooms. It, it definitely brought back childhood memories and, and just felt very carefree. For mm -hmm. sure. Well, I'm also thinking with the candle making example, probably one of the things you were doing is just messing up together that you were, yes. you know. In yeah. fact, we were. <laughs> Especially <laughs> sorry, me. sorry, not to accuse you of being bad at crafts. I'm I, just I guessing was bad. you haven't done it before. No, you're fine. I was so bad. I was so, especially when it came to figuring out our scents, right? Because there's a whole process of mixing scents and, you know, making sure that that works. And I was just all over the place. Mm -hmm. and But it was hilarious. And that's what made it so much fun. Um, and I know that, you know, as, as adults, we sometimes we make up excuses for why we keep falling into the habit of, of dinner and drinks over and over again. But I feel like there's also safety in that, Reina. I mean, we know what to expect. It's easy to plan dinner. Uh, but you were writing in your piece that, that going out on a limb and trying something new with a friend, it can feel like a high risk situation. Right. Can mm -hmm. you talk more about that? Yeah. I mean, I, I this, you know, one one person who kind of 
provided this idea to me was this um, uh, writer, Sheila Liming, who wrote a book about hanging out. And she said, you know, like, there is safety exactly as you're talking about. If you're, you know what to do, if you're going out to dinner with somebody and the kind of conversation that you have. But if you're like, just come and, you know, hang out at my house, then there are questions about how long is it going to be? What, you know, what are we going to do to fill the time? There's, there's something um, that, you know, she talks about uh, activities that are that have a script, and I, you know, there's there's something that is very difficult about not having a prescription for for what you're going to to say and do, um, and and I think there's also, yeah, there. I mean, it's yeah, it, it's a lot easier to just know that you're going to be catching up than than sure. we're going to hang out and make a pillow fort together. Like, is that what we're going to do? Are we going to watch TV together? Are we going to cook together? Like, there's there's um, you know, you you have to trust that each of you are going to come up with something that's that's sufficiently interesting. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's hear from Maggie in Edison Park, who's been waiting on the line. Hey, Maddie. Welcome to Reset. Hi. Hi. What's your friendship story? Well, so one thing my girlfriends and I love to do right now, we all have young kids, um, but we like to work out together. And it's a really good, like, way to take a break from our kids, but ah. also, like, motivate each other to work out and to just, like, do a little something for ourselves. I love that, Maggie. So you're working out, but it's it's it feels like, it doesn't feel like work, it sounds like. It feels like a little bit of play, too? Yeah, it's fun and it's social and we chat and sometimes we'll do something afterwards or we'll grab coffee or we'll grab, you know, something else and just, it's just nice yeah. like to do something, but we still have a chance to hang out together. Yeah, what a great way to connect. Thanks for sharing that, Maggie. Next up is Amy in Brookfield. Hey, Amy, welcome to Reset. Hi, Hi there. How are you? Doing well. What are you and your friends up to? Give me some ideas. Well, <laughs> sure. Uh, well, my friends that I have from like grammar school and high school, we are definitely on the long text thread every day together and exchanging Same. information and quarterly dinners and it's great and I still feel so close to them and love love them so much but I had the good fortune of moving into a neighborhood that was just jumped into a book club with a group of women that are all within a few blocks and it's it's almost like a brand new childhood friendship because we're still getting to know each other we still have time to do like crazy antics and get up to wild things together and kind of rediscovering who you are and who you are in relation to these people was like Yes. It's kind of magical, right? It is wonderful. I'm <laughs> yeah. so glad you shared that, Amy. Thank you so much for your sure. call. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Raina? Those are pretty well, cool just, ideas. Yeah. Well, I think especially the last listener kind of brought up two things that are, um, you know, are on my mind with this topic. And one is just proximity that her friends in the neighborhood um, create this these opportunities to be running into each other and connect. Um, that kind of help you get around the issues that you know you were talking about earlier, Sasha. When you have a lot of commitments and you're running between things, it's a lot easier when somebody lives, you know, five houses down, right. to fit in time to be together. And there is also something that I think is um, that can just feel like a treat to have someone tag along in other parts of life. Um, the writer Anne Helen Peterson calls this the errand friend, you know, the person that you, you can go to Target with, or it's like you're just slipping in sort of social fun um, at a time when it otherwise might be kind of, you know, just an errand. Um, and then the other thing that she said was the word magic. Mm -hmm. And that was a word that came up again and again when people were talking about childhood friendships, that there was a kind of magic that you don't necessarily experience with adult friendships. Yeah. and. Um, you know, in for this piece and also for the people that I interviewed for my book who have these extraordinarily close, almost, you know, basically partners um, in, in a platonic partnership, 
they often use the word magic and that there is something mm. kind of ineffable and, and exciting and playful um, about the connection. So, um, yeah, I, there, there's a lot that just came from, from her one comment. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got a couple more comments here that I'll share before we take a pause. We've got folks in-house. Ethan, our engineer, says board games, D&D. I've solved it. <laughs> so that's that's his solution with his friends. Uh, our Lisa Lavas says, I know friends who have had sewing nights. That's pretty cool. And Brenda Ruiz, a Reset producer, says, my friend group will take turns picking movies. We're watching them via Zoom with each other and roasting each other over what we pick and why we like or don't like it. We started during the pandemic and we've continued every other month, though two of us have moved away. I am currently not allowed to pick any horror movies anymore. Oh, there's a story there, I'm sure. So, Reina, I do love this idea a lot, right? You talk about putting friendship at the center of our lives. Uh, what do you think would need to change in the average person's life to do that, to put friendship at the center? Because, as I mentioned, for me, my, my best friends, they live in another country. So I have that to contend with. And we just have to be super intentional about getting FaceTime in. But what do you think needs to change in, in the average person's life? I mean, I think there are quite a few things that need to change. But but one big one is seeing friends as potential people that we make big life decisions around. So it's expected that if you have a, a spouse, that the two of you will work together to figure out where you can live um, to be in this, you know, be in the same place that works for the both of you. People will make decisions about their you know, where they're going to live in other parts of their lives for their careers. They might make it to take care of, you know, aging parents or what's best for their kids. Um, and all of those, you know, make tons of sense. But I think another sort of factor that could be in the picture is, is there a friend or are there a group of friends who are really important and that it is worth making sacrifices to ensure that you are really close to each other? I mean, it's possible to keep these long distance friendships. I have plenty of them, but it really is something that's fundamentally different yeah. to have people in close proximity. And I can say in my case, um, my husband and I live with two of our friends and two of their kids. And, you know, the decision, there, there are a bunch of things that went into that that decision, but, but part of it was, um, you know, that, that there would be so much that would be really wonderful to become closer to these friends and to witness their their kids growing up and that it was worth making some sacrifices on the kind of housing arrangement we had and the cost and so on um, because it was worth it. So I think yeah. seeing friendship as, as sort of worth um, making the same calculations over that you would for other kinds of uh, parts of life that are already deemed to be significant. Yeah, I love that you've come to that decision and that it works for your family. Um, I'm also thinking of a couple other things here, Reina. The fact that the U.S. Surgeon General said recently that Americans are experiencing a, a loneliness epidemic, right, in the years mm -hmm. since the pandemic began. Also, I'm thinking of the fact that men in the U.S., they're dying years earlier than women. And the research suggests that that's in part related to the fact that men, they don't maintain friendships, not in the same way that women do as they age. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that there's been growing recognition in part thanks to the Surgeon General's comment about um, loneliness that we need more networks uh, or wider networks of support and friends are a large part of that. Um, and so I think this is related to your first question about what, what would need to change. And I think another thing that would need to change is is not viewing a, a long-term romantic relationship as necessarily the be-all and end-all that um, 
yes, that could be a really important part of life, but it probably won't fulfill all sort of emotional, social, intellectual needs. And, and knowing that you're, you know, sort of unrealistic to ask for one thing, for everything from one person, um, I think could, could go a long way both to elevating friendship and maybe alleviating some of these um, issues of loneliness. And this is totally connected to what you're talking about with men, where, um, I mean, there's there's lots of uh, data looking at how men are much more likely if mm -hmm. they're heterosexual to rely on their spouse um, for to be basically their best friend more likely to sort of name their their spouse as their best friend than a heterosexual woman they more likely to name um, a female friend yeah um, relative to re relative to men um, and yeah I have a whole chapter on masculinity in my book and it's uh, I think there's um, there would be uh, things that would help men if they were not to turn to women only um, yeah. to provide these sorts of emotional needs. Geez, I can't wait to read this book. But uh, right now, I do want to introduce another guest to join us, Raina. Claire Hyman's here. She's Reset's digital engagement producer, and she wants to chime in. Hey, Claire. Good hey, Sasha. Hey, Raina. <laughs> so, you know what? I got to shout you out because you were actually the person on our team who first caught wind of Raina's article in The Atlantic. What made you so interested in this topic in the first place? This article really, really resonated with me. Um, I think a lot of us are asking ourselves questions about what do we want to put at the center of our lives. And Ray and I read another one of your articles, I think in 2020, about putting friends instead of romantic partners at the center of our lives. And I think during, you know, the quarantine and the pandemic, I was living so far away from my friends. And even though I did have a partner at the time, I just found like life wasn't as good yeah. with, without being in close proximity. So that actually spurred me to move to Chicago. And that's why I'm here sitting across from you. Yeah. Well, I mean, we love that you're here. Thank you for that. But uh, I'm curious what some of your favorite things to do with friends are then that aren't going out to dinner and going out for drinks. Right. I really love the low stakes kind of like meandering activities. Um, tonight, I'm going to go over and dye my friend's hair. And I love I love Fantastic. doing that. I do that like, uh, you know, once a month, once every couple months for her. And it's fun because there's no goal except for dyeing her hair. But we just get to spend time together. And like the conversations are always like better and weirder. So I find that you know, activities where you get to do something together, but it's kind of a loose goal. I love making a meal with someone, mm -hmm. um, you know, not totally back to like childhood pillow fort territory or whatever, but just kind of like having this space yeah. uh, to not have a goal when you're spending time with someone. I absolutely love that. We're also getting some more folks here at WBEZ chiming in. Uh, Landon Jones says, I have errand friends, right? So th those friends that you just make Costco runs and Target runs with Love together. It. And you, you motivate each other while you're doing those runs as well. And uh, Lisa Labas suggests, you know, getting together and just playing records, listening to music. What do you think of these suggestions, Raina? Um, I'm I'm all for them. And uh, the, the, the image of dying friend's hair took me back to the pandemic <laughs> when my yes. friend who lives a five minute walk for me, also not coincidental, um, cut my hair during the pandemic when we couldn't go to hairdressers. And um, that was, uh, yeah, quite a bonding experience. And uh, yeah, it, I, I think spending this not applying goals to friendship right. makes a lot of sense I um, love that. for really just feeling like you can be loose with each other. Such a great way to get together. Let's hear from another caller who's been waiting. Here's Tracy in Berwyn. Hey, Tracy. 
Hi, how are you? Doing well. What are you up to? Um, I'm in the car driving to Ohio right now with my dog. <laughs> nice, nice. Thanks for calling. I hope you're driving safely. Uh, but what are you and your friends doing these days? Um, I, well, we actually went to Virginia last weekend. We um, decided to go last minute and got tickets for the lawn, um, made some great food, mm-hmm. got some chairs, rented a table there. Just hung out for about four or five hours eating and talking and listening to great music. Just a great time. Taking a trip together. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that, Tracy. And Claire, this reminds me because I know that you heard from readers of our daily newsletter as well. They were sharing some suggestions and some tips of what they do in their lives. What were they telling you? Yeah, so a lot of people are gravitating towards activities where you know, like Raina and I have been talking about, like there's not necessarily a set goal. Some people just like to sit on the couch and watch movies with their friends. Um, we did have some people like Landon who have errand running friends, which I'm gonna try to get some of those soon. Me too. Um, people love going on walks, bike rides, rec leagues, where you kind of know that you're gonna see this group of people every week and just get to hang out outside. And then some people are really, you know, kind of intentional about setting aside time to play, like creating crafts nights, or um, one of our colleagues wrote in about introducing a friend to cuisine from their home country. Ah. So there's no shortage of things that, you know, people like to do with their friends, like these open-ended activities. But again, they like don't have a specific goal. It's kind of the process is the point. And that's what's so lovely about it too. Just, I I don't want to always have an agenda with you. Let's just hang out. Let's just enjoy each other. Totally. Uh, Raina, let's talk a little bit more about this idea of improvisation, right? You you interviewed one person who told you, quote, that theatrical idea of yes and just feels very playful and childlike to me. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, this was a, um, a middle school teacher who uh, learned in adulthood what hanging out uh, could be. Um, and she was explaining specifically how she and her friends were coming up with the, with a plan for to hang out sometime and they suggested all these different things like we could have a sleepover we could grill some food we could watch a movie and then someone was on their text thread like what if we did all of it and they all you know just got on board and for um for her the idea of sort of proposing ideas um, even if they are a little silly or out there and just running with them um, felt like improvisation and mm-hmm. certainly feels childlike it was you know exactly what I was describing earlier on when you had asked you know what do, what do kids do well kids yes and each other they propose you know that uh, some some sort of make-believe and it, the other kid will go along with it. So there is that was the kind of connection that she was experiencing. That is so true. And there's no, there's no like long negotiation moment <laughs> with that too, right, Claire? You yeah. do improv, so I'm looking right at you. What do you like about it? And, and are there lessons from improv that you do, in fact, take into your friendships? Oh, definitely. I think there are lessons that I take with me every day and like every conversation I have. And one of the big ones that's coming to mind now is if you walk into a scene with an idea of, this is who I am, this is my character, and this is what the scene is about, and your partner doesn't see that at all, they have a completely different idea, you you can't just stick with the first thing that you picked because it's your idea. It's about kind of this process of like finding out who you are mm-hmm. and what the scene is about together. And I think that it makes scenes a lot more fun. And I think it makes friendships a lot more fun to navigate together as opposed to deciding 
we are going to do this from 6.45 to 7.45, <laughs> and then we're going to go here, and it's going to be like this, and I'm going to ask them these questions. It's just about kind of meeting the moment. Yeah, I love that so much. Um, Rain, I'm curious, this art of play applied to adulthood that we're talking about, I mean, do you think it's best kept for friends and friendships, or could this actually be effective in the workplace, maybe, like among colleagues? Well, the, the mention of improv reminds me of a training um, that was open to NPR staff several years ago where Second City from Chicago came nice. and and um, yeah, we did some improv exercises. So I'm I'm sure there there are ways that this also could um, could help in the workplace because improvisation is is fundamentally about. Um, you know, as Claire's saying, like meeting the moment, also being sort of open and curious rather than um, being judgmental or being really fixed in what you think needs to happen. And I think, you know, certainly in creative professions, like, you know, something like public radio that we're in, it is really helpful to have that kind of openness and dynamism. Yeah. Well, uh, let's hear from another caller. Here's Will in Joliet. Hey, Will, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Doing well. What are your tips for friendships these days? Yeah, so, you know, a lot of my friends, and uh, I met them mostly at college. I went to school in the city, and a lot of them kind of live around the suburbs, different areas, you know, north and west suburbs. Um, so one thing we like to do is go out by each other and visit uh, nature preserves a lot. We play a lot of Frisbee golf, and uh, it's just nice because it gives me an excuse to get outside and uh, gives me an opportunity to see some of my good friends. I absolutely love that. Enjoy yourself, Will. Thanks for calling. Here is Jennifer in Evanston. Hey, Jennifer, what are you and your friends up to? Hi. Um, I have some friends, not childhood friends, but friends I met about 30 years ago at work. Um, and they were the ones that taught me that I didn't have to spend every moment with my husband, that I should leave him behind and go out with my friends from time to time. Yes. And now 30 years later, we're all in our 60s and 70s. Um, a few weeks ago, we went rafting down the Tippy Canoe River together. Um, the night of the supermoon, we all gathered together at the beach and um, ate moon pies and just watched the moon come up. And we kind of just take turns coming up with interesting and fun things that we can all do together and, so wonderful. and hang out and keep each other young and having a good time. Thank you for sharing that, Jennifer. I, I love this. We're hearing about road trips and golf. Me and too. Rafting. Jennifer's friends sound amazing. I know, like, right? You guys have the best friends. <laughs> uh, we just got about a minute left here, Reina. So briefly, tell us more about that book that you've got coming out, because I imagine that this article in The Atlantic, that's just scratching the surface of what you get into. Yeah, well, I, I'm writing about people who have this kind of category-defying relationship. It's a friendship that also is a life partnership where these people have a friendship um, where their friend is a co-parent maybe or is the person that they are taking care of in old age. And I write profiles of these different friends and the kinds of questions that come up, like is sex a an essential part of partnership or you know, how do we figure out who make compatible parents um, or, you know, the masculinity chapter I talked about earlier. Um, I, you know, how as a straight man, do you figure out what even feels comfortable in a friendship when you've been given these really clear messages all along? And what does it look like to change that? Mm. Um, and so that's, those are some of the questions that I'm, I'm really interested in and how they can expand um, our idea of which relationships can matter most in our lives. 
We've been talking with journalist Raina Cohen about how to make our adult friendships just a little bit more lively and exciting. Check out her writing on the topic. It's really good. It's in the Atlantic. Or just wait for that book, The Other Significant Others, Reimagining Life with Friendship at the Center. That'll be out in February. Thank you so much, Raina. Thank you for having me talk about play and friendship.